Next, this month's special series focus on disaster medicine and preparedness. Unforeseen disasters carry unique challenges and learning opportunities. This month, we present conversations that scrutinize our plans and protocols and ask, how prepared are we? How will we react? It has been nine years since 9-11, five years since Hurricane Katrina disaster in the Gulf states. The current massive oil spill in the Gulf is of unprecedented magnitude, and the cleanup efforts continue. Domestically, a number of terrorist threats have occurred, with the most recent in Times Square earlier this year. Numerous other natural and man-made disasters and threats loom. New federal disaster planning recommendations for hospitals were just issued by the United States Department of Health and Human Services, the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, suggesting strategies hospitals can implement to deal more effectively with disasters and emergencies. You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome. I'm nurse practitioner Mimi Secor, your host, and with me today is nurse practitioner Ed Mello, retired United States Air Force Lieutenant Colonel and current director of the Greater Westfield, Massachusetts and Western Hamden County Medical Reserve Corps. And we are discussing today community disaster planning and the role of the advanced practice clinician. Hello, Ed. Welcome to ReachMD. How are you today, Mimi? I'm good, Ed. Thanks for joining us today. Let's begin by having you describe what is your current involvement in community disaster planning in your geographic area? Well, right now I am the director of the Greater Westfield and Western Hamden County Medical Reserve Corps, which is a nonprofit organization to help the communities during times of disaster. And I'm also an active member of the City of Westfield's local emergency planning committee covering our one city of Westfield and about eight surrounding townships. What really has changed about community disaster planning since 9-11? I know you've dedicated your career to disaster planning, and, you know, you retired military 35 years, and you know a lot about this. Well, essentially, the focus has shifted from when we first didn't have a lot of people and we got a lot of people trained and to respond to disaster, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. It's now shifted to come back to local, helping local right on the spot so that we can get teams out there doing what is necessary to help the people who have been affected immediately, within hours, instead of waiting for days or weeks or sometimes even longer. As we saw with Hurricane Katrina's effects in New Orleans. So that sounds like um, a good shift in direction. Can you describe the various regional disaster planning agencies and their particular roles, you know, sort of encapsulate that for us? First of all, I think we need to understand that the responsibilities for preparation now have going out to the CEOs and major companies, the town government areas, the mayors and the town councils and so forth, and then through FEMA and MEMA for Massachusetts and WEMA for Westfield area, the emergency medical planners. And they are now responsible for going out and doing what's called COOP plans, a contingency of operation plans. These are where you sit there and you look at your infrastructure and you say, okay, in a disaster of an ice storm, what could go down in our area? And then how do we prevent that from happening or at least minimize the effect it would have on us? And they have, you know, towns and they have businesses looking at their systems. What's going to happen to my business? How do I keep my mission going? How do I keep my essential functions going? You also have the support teams and the MEMA teams 
turning around doing what's called a SEMP plan. It's a contingency plan that is very comprehensive. How do I deal with this? What do I deal with? Who do I need to have agreements with so that they can supply me with equipment so that we can minimize the time it takes us to try to resolve and get back to functioning? All of these teams now are working together, and it's really good to see. So, Ed, what are actions that we can take as citizens and clinicians to protect our communities? Mimi, the first thing I need to tell you to do is to prepare your family. You've got to get your family taken care of. You've got to get the wives, the children, the mothers, the fathers, the grandparents, and so forth. You've got to make sure that they're taken care of. Now, I sent you an article that can be used. People should be able to try to download it off of your site or whatever. That will give you a large amount of questions and how to be prepared, what to think about, what to do, and so forth. You can also go on to areas like ready.gov. Ready.gov is a great site that gives you a lot of training and a lot of ideas of how to be prepared personally. That you need to take care of first because you don't want to go out there to a disaster and be worried about what's going on at home. Well, tell us a little bit about this go bag concept and preparing your family. I don't really even know what's involved in that. Okay, so if you were all of a sudden you had five minutes for you to say you need to be evacuated, what are you going to take? They used to have a game about that. What would you take if you were going to go out on an island? You need to sit there and figure out what do I need, me as a person, so that when I go, what's the favorite picture I have to have with me? What do I need, my birth certificate, my social service, uh, social security number, so forth? What do I need for my life to go on when I have to move out if there's nothing left when I come back? That's a go bag. And it doesn't have to be a really big bag. You need to concentrate on what you use and put it down into a real small area. And then you can take that form I was just talking about, fill that out, and mail it to a friend who lives a good distance away so that you'll have all that information. Having it at home doesn't do much if you have your home destroyed. Not to mention if it's on the computer, if the computers go down. Yeah, if the computer goes down, if the electricity goes down, you can't get to it. You need to have that information available to you. It's to be prepared. It's to look out there and say, what do I need to keep myself alive and to keep myself vital? What do you recommend primary care clinicians do, including nurse practitioners, to participate in community disaster planning? And that includes in the hospital. You know, how can they get involved? Well, the first thing you do is take care of yourself. You got to get that done. Then the second thing you do is look at these other agencies that are out there, the Medical Reserve Corps, the CERT teams, the DMATS teams, teams that are out there trying to bring local to local, get immediate help for the people right then and there. Share your skills with them. The organizations like the nurse practitioner organizations, the PA organizations, physicians organizations sit there and say, okay, we need to have so many physicians, doctors, nurses, PAs in the hospitals, but where are the rest of those people? Can't we get them out to do some volunteer work to provide care? When 9-11 happened, we had thousands of volunteers. We didn't know their credentials. We didn't know their training. We didn't know anything else about them. So we couldn't use them. Well, all of these other organizations are pre-screened. They're pre-trained. They know NIMS. They know ICS because that's a part of their initial training. So therefore, they can meld and they can be ready to go and they can be activated. Remember, we're not first responder group. We're a reserve force to be called in when we're needed. And we need to be ready. That's what preparedness is all about. And what about in the workplace? We're working as advanced practice clinicians in the workplace. You know, how do we prepare for dealing with that situation? Well, then you do yourself a COOP plan. What are you going to do? What are you going to do for your records? How do you protect your records? What do you do for that? What happens if your records go down? Where do you go from there? Do you start from scratch? 
Then you also get handouts. Get handouts for people like that form I was telling you about and make it available to them. Make it available at cost, you know, the printing cost that you have if they want to take one home and fill it out. Show them where preparation is. Show them what to do in case of an emergency, whether it be a healthcare crisis or whether it be a disaster crisis. Show them what they can do to take care of themselves, then their business, and let it progress. Let it grow. If you're just joining us, you're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm nurse practitioner Mimi Secor, and I'm speaking today with nurse practitioner Ed Mello, and we're discussing disaster planning and the role of the advanced practice clinician. What about in a hospital? Can we rely on the hospital backup systems to keep our computers going? Will our phones work? Will the lights work? Most hospitals now are generator backup. And if they're generator backup with fuel and diesel, then you have to worry about their tanks getting contaminated. If they're backup with a natural gas, then the piping is a closed system. And as long as we have natural gas, you're going to be able to keep up the generators. But it also depends on how much, what kind of structural damage you're going to have. How much flooding do you have that goes into the basement? Down in the basement, you have a lot of your mechanics. If your generators run and they get wet, you're going to be up a creek. You're not going to be able to function with them. Your systems are going to go down. Your computers are going to go down. We'll have to go back to basic paperwork again and make sure that we have a supply of it. Clinicians really need to know what their disaster plans are in their workplaces. And they also need to be part of the building of those so that they own it. They need to own a section of it, not just say, i got to worry about reading this. No, make sure you build it. Get involved with the building and own the systems. And especially as a nurse practitioner, a physician's assistant, physician, I mean, we really do need to take control and, you know, be a part of this planning process. Exactly. What do you think is the greatest area of need in terms of improving our response to disasters, emergencies, security threats at this point, Ed? I think it's getting people to buy into the system. I think it's getting people to understand that being prepared is worth a lot more than having the knowledge of what to do to protect your losses after the fact. You're better off trying to know how to build your infrastructure so that it is more sustainable, that it is more rigid, and then know what you need to do and how you need to do it. When do you want to evacuate a hospital? What is it necessary? And if you can't evacuate the hospital, how can you stay in place and you know shelter in place? And what can you continue to do? What do you need to do that? Who's trained to do that? Are you trained, you know, people can do things with millions of dollars worth of special equipment, but can you do it without it? Can you do it in an austere situation? It's all training. It's training and understanding, and it's a good knowledge to know what to do so that you can survive. And now hospitals are also doing drills within their communities as well, with their airports, with their, you know, all the different facilities, right? Right. You know, they have to write their own plans, just like I talked about the cool plans before and the SEMP plans before. And they have national hospital organizations that are now realizing we're not against each other in time of disaster. We need to work together. So they're developing these coalitions, and they're saying, where are we going to get the beds? Who's going to have? They're going to know who's got extra beds. So if it's a small town or a town that's next to another town, they're going to know what's available. They're going to know the nursing home beds that are available so that we can move people out and move them back in. Do you have the appropriate EMS systems for transporting? Do you need to transport via ambulance? ground ambulance? Can you transport by bus? Can you use school buses? Do you need helicopters to transport? Have all of this ready and ready to go in policies, in procedures, and then practice them. Go over them. Review them once a year and practice them once a year. Different events, different reasons, whether it be trauma or whether it be a medical problem. 
What if our cell phone systems go down? What if our communication systems go down? How are we going to function? That's kind of a long story with me. I happen to be a member of the ham radio operators area. This is the amateur league for, you know, getting out to people. And we have ways of dealing with that. You know, as long as I have fuel in my vehicle, I have battery power, or I have solar power, I can be on the air. But all of the others, the regular local phone companies, you're going to have battery backup for an hour to two hours. But without generators, you're not going to recharge them, so they're all going to go down. Same thing's going to happen with cell phones. The same thing's going to happen with a lot of other areas. And you need to know that there are so many brand new aspects in technology right now that we can get on board with ham radio signals and we can transmit data. We can transmit forms. We can transmit all kinds of information long distances and or just local distances. We have repeater systems everywhere. Will you be able to work with hospitals and other agencies to try to help facilitate communications if the cell service goes down? Well, there are right now in western Massachusetts, the hospitals are looking at trying to develop this system so that they can. They've got people that they're looking at to bring operators in, and they've just now changed the regulations, the federal FCC regulations, so that people who work for the hospital can actually operate the radios, because Ham radios are operated by volunteers. And if you're a paid member of the staff, you weren't supposed to operate. But now you can change that. And that's been changed during disaster and during training for disasters. So there is a program out there. we just got to get people to buy into it. Any final thoughts in terms of recommendations to the clinicians, the advanced practice clinicians that are listening to this show today, Ed? If I might be so bold, I would say and I would challenge the physicians out there. I would challenge not only the physicians that are functioning, but the physicians who are out there and the nurses and nurse practitioners and PAs who are out there who may be retired and still are licensed, or even if they're not licensed, look around, find teams that are out there, DMATS teams, medical reserve teams. There are 919 cores within the United States with over 2,700,000 volunteers. We have a large group, but we still need more people. Get out there and volunteer your time, volunteer your services, make people's lives a little better once they've had this devastation. Give some time and get out there and do some training and do some prevention. Regardless of what your role is, regardless of what your job is, we need you. We need you out there to do this kind of preparation and get involved so that our communities will survive. Well said. Thank you, Ed, for being my guest on the show today. It's been a great pleasure talking with you. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for all you've done to help improve the regional, state, national security and preparedness in this country, and for your many years of military service to this country, too. I'm nurse practitioner Mimi Secor, and you're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Disaster Medicine and Preparedness. For a program guide and complete list of shows, please visit us at ReachMD.com.